Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I'm someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, like right now. Welcome to another monologue episode by Lee Davey. But before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say to you wonderful people that we are putting on a bit of a show this month. We are going to be running a 12-day training camp, uh, teaching you how to become people that don't drink alcohol without cravings, okay? We're going to set up a little private Facebook group uh, so we can um, give you some really laser-like focus in there. I'm going to be in there interacting with you on a daily basis live, and I've got going to be deliver five key um, training materials that you, you know, five key steps, basically my, my steps on how I became someone that doesn't drink alcohol. So I'm going to share that with you. It's per, it's free. Um, it's, uh, the quality of the content is outstanding and uh, you would pay thousands of dollars for this kind of stuff elsewhere. So come and check it out free of charge. Spend 12 days with me learning how to be someone who doesn't drink alcohol without craving. Okay. Just email us. Oh, just go to the website, www.1000daysober.com. And, uh, I am sure you'll be able to figure it out from there, okay? So, I am reading at the moment uh, lots of different books, but one book that I'm reading is called The Language of Emotions, written by Carla McLaren. And it's been on, I'm I'm currently in Los Angeles. I'm living with my uh, in-laws in my my wife's old bedroom. So it's got her old bookcase on it. I love going to old bookcases and, having a look what people are reading and, uh, you know, you find it the odd gem. And I, this is definitely going to be one of those gems. It's quite a big book. I've only just started reading it, so I'm not that far into it yet. But I, I, I love the woman already. You know, she's um, she, she talks about how when she was younger, she was uh, sexually abused and and how that intertwines into her emergence as an empath and her intimate relationship um, and understanding about emotions and feelings. So at the front of her book, it says, what your feelings are trying to tell you. You know, so she says in the back, emotions, especially the dark and dishonored ones, hold a tremendous amount of energy. We've all seen what happens when we repress our blind or blindly express them. With the language of emotions, empathic counselor Carl McLaren shows you how to meet your emotions and receive their life-saving wisdom to safely move towards resolution and equilibrium. Through experiential exercises covering a full spectrum of feelings from anger, fear, and shame to jealousy, grief, joy, and more, you will discover how to work with your own and others' emotions with fluency and expertise. And the reason that I'm reading this, obviously, is um, emotions and feeling um, are you know, really connected with the work that we're doing at 1000 Days Sober. So what, what is the work we're doing at 1000 Days Sober? Well, you know, as, as I am growing and evolving as a human being, my, you know, you've always, those of you that have been listening to me for the last decade on here, you'll know that I've always been banging on, uh, banging the same drum that if you want to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol, you know, really at 1000 Days Sober, we're not focusing on the alcohol. If we get your, if we get your life together, if we get your life ship shape, then you won't want to be drinking alcohol, right? So I've been repeating that message uh, through and through. Uh, but more recently, thanks to the conscious, uh, conscious leadership group, 
I'm, I've been really refining how I'm thinking about this and I'm going to teach people. And it's about this concept you'll hear me talk about a lot about behaving above the line or behaving below the line, behaving from pure pristine presence or behaving from drama, behaving from a place of abundance or behaving from a place of scarcity. So what we're about at 1000 Days Sober is location, location, location. We want to know and be aware when we're operating above the line or below the line. Okay. And then we can choose to do something about it. So for example, if we are operating below the line, we can say to ourselves, oh, we're below the line. Do we want to continue being there or are we ready to do a shift and get above the line? Okay. So I think that is massive. One of the ways that we drag ourselves below the line and behave below the line is when we're coming from a place of uncontrollable fear, anger, shame. And actually, even the so-called, uh, positive emotions, if we are, if they're going too far to the extreme, like we could be like too happy and uh, not really paying attention to the finer, the important things in life, for example. So whenever our emotions are going way out of balance, we are going to be operating below the line. So for example, when your fear and your shame and your anger is out of control, you're operating below the line. So you're likely to blame people, to criticize people, to defend yourself and to judge others, that type of behavior, right? But when we are operating below, above, uh, above the line, um, then we are treating people with empathy, compassion, love, um, charm, friendship, that kind of stuff, right? So learning and understanding the language of emotions and how your feelings work is really important. So I'm going through this journey myself at the moment, and I would say that um, really and truly becoming someone that doesn't drink alcohol opens up the floodgates. It allows you to start operating from above the line, but it takes a long time. No, it doesn't. It takes a lot of courage and the right guidance in order for you to learn to feel your feelings through the completion and start to build really robust, resilient relationships. And I say courage because, you know, you, you're gonna, if you wanna cut some time out, and I'm approaching 50, so I'd like to uh, cut some time out, uh, then, you know, you've really gotta be courageous and you've gotta start having a conversation with those that you love and with yourself uh, from a real vulnerable place. You're gonna have to talk about shame, you're gonna have to talk about how you feel. You're gonna ask ask other people if they if your your thoughts around what they're assuming about you are true or not. There's a lot of really uncomfortable things that you've got to do in in order for you to get above that line. Um, and so that is what I want to be guiding and helping and teaching people at One Thousand Days Sober, kind of sharing my journey, if you like, uh, with other people. And there was one line uh, that I highlighted um, that I that spoke to me. And I haven't prepared for this, so I, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I want to read the quote to you and then I'm going to riff for a little bit. Okay. So, um, the quote that I, uh, highlighted was my wounding took me out of the normal world and gave me the opportunity to view humankind and human interaction in a unique way. So this is Cara McLaren. She's saying my wounding took me out of the normal world and gave me the opportunity to view humankind and human interaction in a unique way. Um, so, you know, why did that speak to me? Well, first of all, that word wounding, wounding, you know, like my daughter was recently bitten by a dog. So, you know, she's got a wound beneath her eye and she's got a wound in her and around her mouth. Um, and physically, you know, they will heal. Um, it might be 
that um, they won't heal perfectly and there will be a scar or some kind of reminder that that incident took place, right? But there's also wounding that goes on um, underneath the hood. So this morning we went for a walk and it was, um, it was the first time she'd seen another dog and she kind of stopped in her tracks. And um, I, I got down on her level and I spoke to her and reassured her that everything would be okay. But she didn't want to hang around with the dog. She wanted to move on. And who knows what is going on in terms of the internal psychological wounding, right? You know, so wounding, external and internal. Um, for me personally, I don't think that there's ever been a wound, internal or external, that hasn't led to a, an incredible and um, incredible change in my life and in, an incredible change in a good way. Okay, so um, let me just give you a few examples. When I was in school, 16 years of age, so I was in the last year of uh, comprehensive school, um, the hardest kid in the school, his name was Kevin, um, wanted to beat me up, right? We'd, uh, we'd, we were in a disco the weekend. This happened on a Monday. So we was in a disco on Saturday night. We'd have these... Disco's called a mem disco. We could all go in there and drink underage and get fucking smashed. And I danced with his girlfriend. And someone told me that on that night, this guy's going gonna, gonna to kick your head in. So um, he did. He came and found me. He said, I want you outside. So I walked outside and I, and I was walking out first. And I just turned around and smacked him. We ended up having a fight and everybody broke it up. And then the next Monday in school, I'm shitting myself going to school thinking this guy's going to annihilate me. Um, and, and yeah, he wanted to fight with me. And there was a part of me that was like, you know, this dude's going to kill you. He's, he's massive. He's huge, right? Like, stay out of his way. You don't want to be doing this. Everyone was telling me, like, stay out of his way. Just say no. Like, you know, don't, don't get into this. Um, but then there was this, this uh, what I now um, I recognize as my um, immature masculine energy of the hero archetype <laughs> emerged. And I remember this little voice in my head. It was like, no, you could take him. And if you do take him, God, imagine what everyone will think of you. External validation, need for approval, right? So I was like, come on then, let's fucking do it. And he battered me. He battered, battered me, right? Battered me. Um, uh, what did I learn from that? Well, I learned that um, I am capable of taking an absolute beating, an absolute beating, and I'm not feeling the pain. So for what must have been no longer than five minutes, um, the guy just punched and headbutted me from here to kingdom come. I got, my, my, my face was like black and blue. I broke a little bone in my, my cheek. Um, but I didn't feel any pain. Right? I, I didn't feel any pain. Um, and I realized that actually if I was to get into a physical altercation with somebody, um, I, I might not win the fight, but I, I'm... I'm I'm not going to be given up too easily. I'm, I'm not a pushover, right? Um, uh, I also learned that I am courageous, I'm, and, but in a foolhardy, stupid kind of way. And I will take risks in a foolhardy, stupid kind of way, right? And I also learned that I uh, received a lot of respect out of that incident, for, for example. Even him himself came up to me a couple of days later and put his arms behind his back and said, just do what you want to me. You know, I'm really sorry what I did. Like everybody respected me uh, a lot more uh, out of that. Uh, another wound for me um, 
was um, going through my, my divorce, you know. So in, in that respect, I, uh, the, the wounds are all internal. They're all psychological. They're all um, emotionally deeply scarring. They say that divorce is one of the most horrific uh, emotional experiences that you can, you can go through, particularly when the children are involved. Um, but what did I learn from all that pain, all of that suffering? I learned that I could be with somebody um, for 20 years, which is like a core of your life, right? I could be with someone for 20 years and, um, and that they can leave me and, and, and I'll be all right. And not only will I be all right, but actually I will flourish that I have the ability to deal with the pain and suffering and the loss and the emotional outpouring that comes with that and, um, and that I'll be okay. I also learned the obviousness that there is more than one woman in the world and that the belief that this person who I'm with is the person that I should be with for the rest of my life and she's my soulmate, et cetera, et cetera, um, for me anyway, personally, is a lot of all nonsense, right? Like. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot out of that. I also learned a lot out of that wound in terms of, um, using, uh, kids as weapons, um, and gaslighting and all other forms of behavior that I, uh, didn't know that I was, um, capable of, um, of, of doing, but also having that awareness that I was actually doing that and then stopping it. Um, I also learned from that wounding to have a lot of compassion and a lot of forgiveness for somebody who was and still could really hurt me. And I know a lot of my clients uh, suffer with this, like having to forgive people. Um, but I can tell you that the only person that was creating my wounds through my divorce was myself, not my ex-wife. She, um, she could not uh, hurt me. Well, she could physically hurt me, but she couldn't psychologically hurt me. She couldn't, she couldn't do that. She doesn't have that power, right? I take her actions and I turn them into meaning and I hurt myself. Um, so by forgiving myself and then forgiving her and having great empathy in understanding that the reason this person is behaving this way towards me is likely, because I don't know, likely because she, is, she feels I have broken her heart and that there is a consequence to come out of that. And it doesn't have to be right. Her actions don't have to be um, recognized and accepted by me, but I can understand why she behaved the way she did and I could forgive her for that. And I then can drop those feelings and those emotions and let them do their job, but I don't have to hold on to them. I don't have to uh, attach myself to them. Okay. So my wounding took me out of the normal world. So, you know, that's what wounding, you know, means to me in my experience with wounding is every single person listening to this right now has a wound, an open wound, and you're just not willing to let it scab over and heal. And I will ask you, what are the payoffs? What are the benefits you are getting by allowing that wound to remain open? Okay, ask yourself those questions. Um, my wounding took me out of the normal world. Took me out of the normal world. 
Wow. You know, this, this links into uh, the work that we do in the stuck phase of the Stripe Method for Addiction, where we talk about uh, the terms catabasis, which means descent, taken from the book Iron John, and positive disintegration, which is the work of Krasimir Dabrowski, a Polish psych, uh, psychotherapist and uh, psychiatrist. Uh, my wounding took me out of the normal world. So I was just working with a one-on-one client, and he hasn't had a drink for six months, probably listening to this. Hello, my beautiful. I'm sharing your story, but not your name. Um, and he hasn't had a drink for six months. And that's good. That's great. He's not even triggered. Like he's, he's, he's not even triggered to drink. But something is happening in his life right now. Something that happened to me when I stopped drinking. And that is he's being reborn. He's being reborn. So in, in his words, uh, not exactly, I'm paraphrasing, I actually asked him once, like, what is, why is 1,000 Days Sober work for you so well? And he said, I, I, as I see things, I was born. I was physically born. I came out of my mother, right? And then I was, like, alive and I was fresh and I was, like, beautiful. And then the world got hold of me and said, this is the way you need to think. This is the way you need to behave. This is the way you need to act if you want to belong here and feel like you're a part of this society, this culture. And then you die, right? You die. You put on a mask that suffocates you so much you cannot breathe and you die. And you become a sleepwalking zombie, okay? And then this individual joined 1000 Days Sober when he stopped drinking. And that decision to stop drinking, armed with the work that he was doing and the guidance from the team here at 1000 Days Sober, it allowed him to be reborn, to take that mask off and to allow, allow the old him to die. Bon voyage, goodbye. We have a, um, an assignment called the burial, where we literally say goodbye to our old, small, um, disempowered selves. Um, and then you emerge into this new world, right? You are reborn. Go back to Karen McLaren. My wounding took me out of the normal world. So what this client of mine is doing at the moment is his wounds, okay, which drove him to drink alcohol, which drove him into 1,000 Days Sober, have allowed him uh, to break free of the normal world, of the rat race, of the matrix, of the, um, the world of rules and societal conditioning, the world of outside in thinking and behaving. So this has allowed him to step out of that normal world and to emerge into a quite spectacularly new world as a new individual. But he's a baby. He's only been doing this six months. He said to me that I haven't had a drink for six months, but it's not about drinking. He's only been awake in this new world, in this new reality, in this new powerful him for six months. So he's, he, he hasn't even start, learned how to walk yet. So he needs to have a lot of passion and a lot of time, a lot of compassion with himself in order for him to grow into this new world. But when you leave the normal world, it's a very scary and terrifying thing to do. And it's here that you hit, hit what Gay Hendricks calls upper limit problems. So let's say, use me as an example, spent 35 years of my life um, as a as an adult, even though I know that now that I was just a boy in a man's body, 
I've been married to uh, this woman for 20 years. We've been living together in a home. My son is like 10 years of age. I've got this job that I've had for 20 years. Like, that's my normal world. And for me to decide to just step into my chrysalis and dissolve and turn into this beautiful butterfly, don't be so naive as to think that everybody around you is not going to be affected by my decision, my positive disintegration, my catabasis, my, my journey into the descent, my journey into the ashes, my journey into the shadow world, and then my emergence as a, as a new human being. Please, please, please don't be so naive into thinking that, that the woman you share a bed with, the man you share a bed with, the children that you love, the, the people who work for you, your parents, your sisters, your best friends, they will all be affected by your decision to step out of the normal world, right? And what can happen is we can be stifled by that fear. It can be inertia. We can... We can tell ourselves and kid ourselves subconsciously, thanks to the role of resistance and our wounded ego and this, this, the wounds that Carl McLaren talks about, we sabotage our journey. So for me, how did I used to sabotage and keep myself small when I had an upper limit? I'd fight with those that I love. I would make mountains out of molehill. I would pick. I would gaslight. I would, uh, my narcissism would come out of me. I would just be behaving like an idiot and a prick. All subconsciously, behaving like a boy, taking risks, upsetting people, defending, blaming judgment, all from below the line. Then I would get into a fight, mainly with my wife. And then I could blame my wife for drinking, or I could blame my wife for gambling, or I could blame my wife for not taking that risk, blame my wife for not leaving the, the job that I want to leave, whatever. Just blame, 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 because I'm below the line. Keep, keep fighting. And now I'm in deep scarcity. And I don't have to go above the line because going above the line and healing your wound and stepping out of the normal world means you're going to experience exalted states of joy and celebration, but it's also going to be accompanied by uncomfortableness, pain and suffering. And you've, you've got to be willing to get through that. As Angela Duckworth says, you need the passion and the perseverance. You need the grit when uh, the rubber meets the road to get through some of these spots. That, my, my friends, is very difficult. And that is why I, uh, we're here at 1000 Days Sober to guide you through these processes, guide you through your carapaces, guide you through your positive disintegration. That's what I was doing this morning with this beautiful man who I love dearly, who I'm working with, right? And to get, to flip the switch from shame, which is below the line thinking, to pride which is above the line thinking. Now pride can also be below the line thinking. But in this case, I want what, what, how this speaks to me. My wounding took me out of the normal world and gave me the opportunity to view humankind and human interaction in a unique way. What a beautiful gift that emerges from my wounding and my decision to leave the matrix, to leave the normal world. What a beautiful gift. I get to observe everything that's going on around me in a unique way. I get to see people who are in, who are treating me in ways I don't want to be treated, but I can see why. And I think most importantly, I can understand why I behave the way that I behave. I can understand 
when I'm abusing people. I can understand when I'm judging people. I can understand when I'm gaslighting people. I can understand when I am criticizing people. I can understand when I'm using sarcasm and passive aggressive behavior to offload my shame to people. I can understand it because I'm viewing mankind and humankind and human interaction in a unique way. I'm observing it. I can see it. In Plato's allegory of the cave, Plato talks about the fire in the cave and then the sun outside of the cave. You know, the fire and the sun represents the opportunity to see anew, to see reality. It shines, it brightens what was previously dark and unseen. When you stop drinking alcohol and you make a decision to live a conscious life, which we do at 1000 Days Sober, all of a sudden it starts with yourself. You start to really see how I'm behaving and how I'm affecting people. And there's the best bit, how I affect people when I change my behavior. You know, it's really interesting, you know, like I always thought that I wanted to have sex with Liza every day. Every day I want to have sex, want to have sex, want to have sex. I've learned recently that the more connected I am with her, the more that I feel her love, the less I actually have that needy impulse. I used to think that I needed sex to connect, but actually it was a needy below the line feeling. I don't need that to connect. I love it. I like it. I think it's amazing. It's beautiful. And there is a beautiful, you, you cannot find a more connective experience through sex than anything else for me. But I don't need it. I don't have that needy energy anymore because all of a sudden I'm feeling really connected. Why? I'm showing up more. I'm not trying to fix as often. I'm listening more. Yeah, I'm fucking up and screwing up all the time. But I am aware that I'm doing it. And I'm not as defensive or judgmental when it's being brought to my attention, right? So my wounding took me out of the normal world and gave me the opportunity to view humankind and human interaction in a unique way. Yeah. I hope that was useful. hope that was useful. If you're a striver listening to this, okay, or if you're in the 1,000 Day Sober private Facebook group, share your thoughts and feelings around this statement. My wounding took me out of the normal world and gave me the opportunity to view humankind and human interaction in a unique way. How does that impress upon you? Okay. And if you want to learn more about this kind of stuff that I'm talking about, get over to our website, www.1000daysober.com and listen. Okay. Listen, listen, follow the instructions and get into our um, private Facebook group, our 12-day train on how to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol without craving, okay? If you like this podcast, please share it with other people, rate and review it. And finally, if you want the show notes from this episode, and go to the website and the podcast page, put in your email, and we will deliver them to you, all right? I love you all. Much love. Bye. Bye.